Hello and welcome to your review for the 11th of April 2023. I'm your host as always, Graham McKay, and he's decided to come back to me. Um, I didn't, didn't know if he, if he would make it back, uh, but he's here. All the way back from the big smoke. Christian Wolf, how are you, Christian? Graham, it's, it's lovely to see you again. Yes, I am the ass padding bear. I am the resident immigrant mm-hmm. um, to, to this podcast. Um, doing all the dirty work, mm-hmm. really. Getting none of the plaudits. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, just working so hard. It's allowing you to be on your third holiday in three weeks now. I mean, I, I, I'm all for workers' rights, you know, work-life balance. But German acad- academia, academia, I'm so <laughs> I, I, I can't even I can't even talk. I'm so plummoxed by all these holidays you you get in in German uh, academia. Yeah, but I'm I'm technically back to work tomorrow though. But it's just a couple of weeks of like the odd online meeting, so I'm still I, I'm technically back, back at work tomorrow too. <laughs> Wait, I have another couple of days. So. so. So, so, what? How was London? You went to see uh, Back to the Future. How, how was that? Well, yeah, well, I didn't go specifically to, to see that. You know, we did. Have I did make it sound well. like that was the case last week. To be to be fair, to be fair, you, you should. Everybody should go see Back to the Future. It's uh, incredible fun. Uh, musical. All musicals are fun. You know, I feel that persuasion. But yeah, it was. It's. I mean, it's not Hamilton, right? Um, which is genuinely a masterpiece, mm-hmm. um, but it's like it's so fun. So if you get go get the chance to watch uh, Back to the Future, uh, do it. I was going to say stay to the end. Obviously, you have to stay in the end. You're not allowed to leave this. But there's, it's really really good all the way through. It's really funny, and then at the end, it just, I mean, it takes off, literally. Ooh. So uh, I was sitting right next to, uh, as you often do uh, if you go to see a strongly long, very enthusiastic American, mm-hmm. and. It was great sitting next to him because every single scene is basically like, wow, that was awesome, man. Awesome. And he was the first man to, to like stand up and then like bang his hand together uh, at another show. So yeah, it was just added to the judgment. I was half cut as well. So that would probably help. That's good. Yeah, look, look I, even, I, I went to the V&A, I went to the Tate Modern. That's, you know, so it's, it's, it's a whole range, a whole range of things. Yeah. The most important questions, obviously, how how expensive was the drink in the theatre? It was one of those trips I was like, I'm not even going to look at what it costs, right? Um, I genuinely can't remember, um, but did have a beer and a glass of champagne, so probably £75. Uh, it's not great and great, interesting. I mean, it's so, I, it's just, I mean, you just can't look at the prices. You just put some money aside and then look at it in a month's time. It'll be fine. You, you, want, you want to enjoy yourself if, if you notice the prices. To be honest, so so did, did you get a chance to listen to the last week's review? Do you have any notes? I did. I'll be perfectly honest. I, I put it on the plane home. Right? Mm-hmm. And, we and you stayed enthralled the whole way. Yeah. So we were up about half four in the morning the, on the Monday morning mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then it was a go 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 and, and my flight home was like Tuesday night and the review re-energised you on, I, on that. I very much enjoyed it I might have dozed off at times so it was, I was in kind of like a half sleep half consciousness of Stephen talking to me about the I don't know the, the cultural societal historical context of our Bernabe can't pass a ball mm-hmm. 
So, which is a, I mean, it's, 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 it's as good as reasonable to me. In the game we were about to talk about, he did pass a ball uh, when he well, should have scored. But I mean, maybe he was taking your criticism on board. That's uh, relationism. <laughs> to, I mean, to, to, to give the listeners uh, a peek behind the curtain here, Stephen is just very presumptuous. Started his own chat called "Potential Review Future." Chats and nobody said to get his welcome back, no. but he's, 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 he's started a chat with you and me saying, Is this what you can do in the summer? We can have seven hours on how the working class dynamism in certain areas of Buenos Aires means that he is incapable of staying five meters away from his center back. So, I always thought it was a year that was going to get the show cancelled, but I think it, it might be Stephen Russell. Well, we got today, let's see today. Yeah. I'm going to do my best today. This will def- definitely like definitely one of those episodes where it, it could be you know subtitle could be Christian tells you why you shouldn't like the things you like. So I I, I was on the hosting agenda this morning and um, I I told that? I I, I told uh, Alan that I'd got document in from you with forty eight images and I hadn't opened it yet, but I had a <laughs> feeling it was going to be negative to Alistair Johnson uh, and. I've now opened the the document, and I was right. Um, but... No, it's, it's it's not a negative portrayal of Alistair Johnson. It's, it's a correct portrayal. Okay. There's lots of credit to Alistair Johnson. So we're going to be going over the game as you always. Alistair Darling, I do. I he do, had yeah. cracking eyebrows in there. I'm a bit uh, of a centrist. What are your top three Alistairs? No, uh, we can't. It's not international week. We can't go through okay. that. Um, so we're going to look at, you've broken it down into sections and you want to start by looking at the first 60 minutes, Celtic in position, Rangers out of position and vice versa. We're then going to do a player focus on uh, Aaron Moy and Matt O'Reilly. Then you want to talk about the last half hour of the the, the match, looking at Awata coming on and uh, looking at the kind of four, the mad the mad cap 4-2-4 that we seem to be trying to see out a, a, a Derby game with. And then you've got a player focus on Alistair Johnson before looking ahead to the, to the cup semi-final. So your first image, image you one... You could have made that, you could have sold that a bit more, to be honest. You could have been a bit more enthusiastic about it. I mean, I'll see how enthusiastic I am by the end of it. Um, That's true. But the first image, and the, the first thing that jumps out at me, and uh, I want you to talk about this, is the fact that Rangers seem to have played a five-man central midfield. What, what was going on with Rangers and their block? Well, uh, I don't know if you managed to listen on one of your many holidays, but man, even even with Gals internet breaking, we, we did a you know weekend update on Friday, and I was saying I, I kind of know how um, how Celtic's going to set up. I'm really not sure how Rangers are going to set up because and, and and the big one is you know there's two big things. It's like how they're going to set up out of in out of possession. What are they going to do in possession? Are they going to go along and so on? So. Out of possession, obviously, really, really quick recap in, in January. Obviously, they went uh, 4-3-1-2 in their press. So, with Kent sat on McGregor, and Tillman and Kamara as the eights, and then Lundstrom as kind of the free player behind them to pick up any players. So, I thought in parts that were quite well, especially with, with Greg Taylor going off. Then in the cup final, I think... It didn't work at all for them. I think it was completely wrong setup. They had more of a four-three-three with Kent more on the side, and then Lundstrom, <laughs> Lundstrom uh, the responsibility of jumping up on Cal McGregor and then also covering. See, if, 
one of the two number eights had to jump out on Celtic fullbacks. You know, it was Lundstrom that was tasked to picking up the free Celtic number, and it's never going to work. And Celtic just tore through them. So it was interesting to see how they're going to set up. And so as you say, call what you want, like a four four two or a four four one one or a four five one in the end. So essentially, I, I think we don't like to give him too much credit, but I, I, I think this is one of the things you, you do get with Beal is that him and his team will analyze stuff. Maybe, I think a couple of I'm saying, maybe too much sometimes. I think he has a tendency to maybe slightly a bit, a bit too clever because I think he's, he maybe changes things often, but it's, it's clear that Rangers had looked at this and said, okay, it hasn't really worked, especially not in the in the cup final. How do you them up Celtics and how do you stop both those number eights and all the movements they do how do you put someone on McGregor so you don't let him on the ball but also how at the same time how do you stop the fullbacks right and I was like I was racking my brain I was like, how is he going to do this and I thought I think yeah, I thought, like he's just going to revert back to putting Kent on McGregor and then kind of go one on one but they did, they did something slightly different I, to be honest what essentially they did is, as you say, more of 4-4-2 or 4-5-1, but by putting Morelos and then Tillman up at the front two, Tillman had a, had a double responsibility of making sure he was kind of pressuring the fullback on, uh, on the centre-back on his side, which was Starfield, but at the same time, he would always, always make sure there wasn't a passing lane into McGregor. But you were then essentially just having two men, Morelos and him, instead of who covering the centre backs and McGregor. Whereas before, you've had three Kent and the front two, so that left you essentially four players in midfield to cover Celtic's two number eight and the two fullbacks at any time. So essentially, you went five against five um, across that. So. Image one kind of is, is, is a graphic representation of it. Image two is you can see in in the game as well how it, how it kind of worked. So you have the two central midfielders, um, Raskin and Jack on Celtics number eight, O'Reilly and Moy, and then you have the wide players in this formation at least Cantwell and Kent, essentially looking after Celtics fullbacks. So th- this again, this was something new. You can see how then the I think in this case, it's actually the image two is actually Tillman, who's gone on the right hand side and Cantwell in the middle, and they kind of changed, you know, whatever they were uh, at that point. They kind of cover that. And to be honest, Graham, I think it was a pretty clever move, right? In, in terms of is, it, is that not just uh, mind marking uh, us though? At least defensively. Yeah, I mean, but what was the issue with Rangers before is that especially the number eights have had, okay, you look after the number eight, but see if the ball goes out to Celtic fullback, you run out, you know, Glenn Kamara, you run out, and then John Lundstrom will, will leave Riyadh John Lundstrom will, will, will cover. like So that, that kind of do this jump, like one person leave their man, jump out on the fullback, and then another person should then take the player they've left. And it's, and it's those kind of moments Celtic just punished him. Like they punished them at the start of the game. Ibrox they punished them throughout the game on the cup final, where they tried to change men's. And essentially here they just what they essentially did, they pulled one person, one extra person down into the midfield. So they have 
as I said, four, a one and a four. So you have one person on McGregor and then four against four in terms of two fights. And, and as you can see in the image number two, you know, the defensive line, quite high up, right? So there was very little space between defensive midfield lines. Well, and that overall, I think nullified quite, started quite well in the buildup. You know, image three, you can kind of see, and, and they did this. It wasn't, as you said, man marking there, but image three, you see, if, if Taylor came in, you know, Cantwell wouldn't follow him in. Raskin would pick him up, and then mm-hmm. Cantwell would stay on O'Reilly. And what it let, so it let kind of nullify Celtic when they come up to the midfield. Sometimes they would repress high, you know, image four, by having four across instead of a midfield four, essentially, instead of a mid, midfield three, you let Cantwell and Kent be really aggressive pressing out on the Celtic fullbacks. So you see image four is an early one when CCB plays up to Moy. Moy first touched it, it but he means to first touch it out to Alistair Johnston. But because there's kind of Celtics, by having four across, Rangers can kind of cover the whole width of the pitch. And that's why Kent can be so high on Alistair Johnson that he he picks up the, the loose ball from Moy and creates an early chance. And they did this, uh, we'll talk about after the 60 minutes, image five, it says they were still doing this in the second half as, as well. We'll go a bit through how the kind of game unfolded. But for me, Graham, that I was, they'd had a look at that. They said, okay, it hasn't really worked for us the last couple of days. What can we do defensively to kind of them up against Celtic? And overall, we'll get back to stats and how it worked for them attacking wise. But overall, I thought it was, you know, I hate to say it, but it's a pretty smart move. One thing that, that jumped out to me from that is it does look like a good it looked like a good way to set up if you don't want to get beat. The uh-huh. you're talking yes. about attacking wise. Yes. They didn't like Tillman had no, nothing in the game, Ryan Kent had nothing in the game. They just didn't seem to have any attacking threat. And their their goals came from what a direct free kick and a cross with a right back was somehow on the left no wing. Spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> but like what was from from that kind of basis, what do you think their game plan was to try and win this match? Because it was a must-win game for them, and the goals were kind of out of nowhere. Like it wasn't as if it was it was following some great progression up the park. You know, it was. What do you think his plan was to try and win the match? Well, well this is my carefully structured agenda coming along. But you know, I I think as we've praised a lot of teams in terms of the lesser teams in the leagues setting up against Celtic and said, look, they've they've done well there for 20 minutes, half an hour. They're like they've set something up, you know, they you know, we talked about the cent- three centre backs to jump up and they, they do all this and like we talked about teams like Kamar across county and we've given them some praise and then we go back <laughs> didn't have a shot on goal. Didn't have a shot at all, did they? And <laughs> I'm not saying Rangers were that defensive, but th- there's a lot of that in this as well. And the way that They've obviously almost obsessed about okay, how how do we stop Celtic building up? How, how do we stop them? And the other side of that is essentially how do you, how does it leave you with anything attacking wise? And because as you said, well, Rangers pressed high sometime. I think a lot of this was kind of what we call a mid block. So they were letting Celtic come up quite high. And they were kind of chest piecing it from the midst of sense, like oh, set up like this, you know, we compress the lines, do that, gonna stop them. But 
and they, they, were, they did manage to nullify Celtic quite a bit, but also, you know, as I said, it wasn't an all-out, it was more a calculated move rather than an all-out, you know, let's press them, let's keep the intensity. And it kind of combines with what they did in imposition uh, as well, but we'll get to that. But, I mean, we talk about like, quickly why did it work and how did Celtic react to that defence? Because it didn't work all the time. So I think by setting up this way, image six, image seven, I think a lot of issues you can see with the centre-backs that when they don't have an obvious passing line open and image six is kind of Taylor starting in, it's coming in where Matt O'Reilly's going out. You have that rotation, but Starfield, again, just too slow to hit those passes. I think image seven is the same with CCB. You know, he was had time on the ball, but it was more for the Rangers to kind of cover all the passing options. And he doesn't really, sometimes, sometimes he can hit those balls between the lines and we'll get to that. But image seven, for example, is if you have a, maybe a centre-back is slightly better on the ball, a bit more confident, you can hit Kyogo in those kind of situations. And you kind of need to be a bit more bold, be a bit more confident, and maybe step out a bit more. In these countries, because Rangers had it, had it hemmed up. I mean, image eight is like a really good example of, you know, well, it's like it's, we're playing it, man. Essentially, so this is when Celtic actually got into Rangers' half. But as you say, Rangers again very disciplined in that. You know, stopping all the passing options for CCV, and he's forced to kind of, and you can kind of see in the bottom half of that is that how Rangers go very much man to man. But in the middle of the pitch, they have four players to Celtics three. And even out wide with Alistair Johnson, you kind of have two players with Kent and Oisley Barrison kind of being proximity to Johnson as well. If he's going to get essentially CCV does not way out, he sends the ball back, but it's quite a bad ball. And it's just the one when Hart is quite far out. Mm. And, and Starfield have to mop it up. But Celtics' response to this, then, I think, because it wasn't, I think. Rangers did a pretty good job of nullifying the build-up, but it, it wasn't all the time. So what can happen is, with Celtic, Celtic are very good at capitalizing on mistakes. So image nine is essentially Tillman gambling on Johnson sending the ball back to CCV. I think this is a nice, like, this is a nice moment for Johnson, is that he has the kind of awareness to see that, okay, Till, Tillman is he's going to jump He's already jumping on CCB even before Johnston hits the ball back. And by Tillman jumping up, opens up a passing lane to McGregor. Probably Tillman's one job. And then that's it. You know, a little miscalculation for Tillman. Give the ball to McGregor in the middle. He runs with the ball and space forward. And that ends with like the early Jota shot um, from the side. But again, Celtic, the way kind of Celtic kind of overcome this again very much on the left hand side Greg Taylor Matt O'Reilly Dace Maeda if you notice if you watch back notice the two last games against the Rangers obviously he only played for 20 minutes in the first one Greg Taylor still stayed wide almost the whole time receiving the ball wide the whole time because because of that kind of rotation in Rangers marking as I said because if the ball went wide maybe like it was so Kamara um, or Tillman would jump out on Greg Taylor, then suddenly there'd be that movement behind him. Lindstrom couldn't catch up. So he could hit precise balls from wide 
into that space between Rangers midfield line and defensive line. He couldn't really do that. Now, I don't know how quickly Greg Taylor picks up on that. I think he's a very clever player, but almost instantly he started going coming inwards a lot. So I, I wonder if maybe I'm being way too charitable for him, but I, I do wonder if he, he takes a look at that and says, if I get the ball wide here, because they're playing four across, that guy's going to meet on me straight away. And I won't really have a, a free passing lane because somebody's already marking my number eight, Matt O'Reilly. So he started going inwards, like image 10, for example. So he's going inwards to open. So he didn't get the ball that much when he did it. But what it does, it opens up the passing lane to Maeda, mm. who could hit direct balls, sometimes direct balls, into what is a very, very willing runner in Matt O'Reilly. So image 10 is a good example of, you know, Telly comes in. The passing lane from Starfield to Maeda opens up. Maeda tries a one-touch pass into O'Reilly. You can see, just Bobby. like just like Ria Tati does in such situations, attacking that space between the Rangers' fullback and the centre-back. Um, again, image 11. And here I have to do something I really don't like to do because image 11 and image 12 is kind of the same situation where Greg Taylor comes inwards at the right time, opens up the passing lane to Maeda, from Starfield to Maeda, happen again. And because the ball goes out to Maeda, usually what will happen is that opposition fullback will go, ah, I'm going to go get this Maeda, I'm going to get right up to him because I don't want to give him any space. And because of where Greg Taylor starts from, he then has like an open path between the opposition fullback and their centre-back because Kyogo is pinning the centre-back. But in both image 11 and image 12, image 12, you can see Tavernier is like, he has the awareness to know that actually Greg Taylor is making a run here. I can't bomb up on Dysmeida. I'm just going to leave Dysmeida and fall with Greg Taylor. So I think that's where you get, essentially against better teams, you get fullbacks who can, if that had been Ross County, Kamarnock, Hibs, Hearts, there would have been that gap for Greg Taylor to run straight into you get the ball straight for Dice Maeda. James Tavernier took a couple of steps and just fell. So he had that. But it. One thing I did notice, yeah. and perhaps this would be uh, kind of because of uh, what you're talking about, is I felt as if, especially in the first half, Jota got one and one with their left back uh, quite a few times. I don't know if I'm maybe over remembering that. Uh, and I don't know, it felt as if they were maybe just relying on their players to win the duels one-on-one. Is that anything to do with the fact that their midfield was so narrow or matches kind of like maybe emphasising that memory a bit? No, and I mean, if you go for the back essentially in this way, you are reliant on, you know, your fullbacks making the right decisions, standing up to those kind of players as well. But I think it's also due, because we had four in midfield as well, it allowed you to kind of M up. You, you can have a second man, right? Because Terry Erna had to go out, you know, um, Campbell, for example, could um, or on the other side, Lundstrom, uh, so on the other side, Kent, could come and help out as well. And there wasn't much, even though Jota was one-on-one something, there wasn't much space and the, there was players behind him as well. They, they were very organized and kind of deming up against that. So, yeah, there's a few long balls down the right-hand side for Celtic, but the kind of build-up play, if you look at, like, where passes were going, how many attacks went down the left, uh, down each side, is predominantly left. And it, image 13 is another example of, you know, 
that combination of players trying that. This is Greg Taylor receiving the ball at wide. Again, Matt O'Reilly makes the run and he gets the ball and he heads it back to Dyson Maeda. A really nice head cushion headed back from Matt O'Reilly. And this is where I think it sets up uh, Callum McGregor's shot. I Mm. think this is. Um, Image 14 as well. Greg Taylor, again, tried to kind of stretch the Rangers defense by by going along quite early and, and doing all the things. So the left hand side kept trying what they always keep trying. And and I think while Rangers were, were set up well, it is really difficult to demo, but especially when you got these three guys there with the running they do, like those oh, Maeda, Taylor and Riley. It's an incredible amount of off the ball running. And I think they're all quite comfortable in, in hitting those passes and, and knowing the rotations. And you just see it, image 15. Like, I think this is the one really piece of, of you know, okay, you can go back to finishing and, and for Jota Kyogo, but in terms of build up play, in terms of chance creation, image 15 for all of like Rangers set up and work, it's just pure, it's pure angible uh, in one way. You know, there's two image 15 and 16, there's kind of two pictures in each one of them. Um, if you have a chance to look at the pictures, Look at Matt O'Reilly. See where he starts out when the ball goes to CCV and the build-up phase. He's right over on the right-hand side. Then when the play moves over to Saarfeld, Taylor makes a run behind Tillman to receive at wide. And at that point, Matt O'Reilly has moved into the middle. He's now in front of Aramoy. And he's just behind Raskin. And then when the ball goes out to Greg Taylor, Matt O'Reilly has now kind of... There's not much space between the Rangers midfield line and the defensive line here. The midfield line is maybe 25 yards out. Mm. It's a five-yard line. gap, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like... And the defensive line is just decided to... You know, but he's found that space when the ball goes from Starfield out to Taylor. He's ahead of Raskin. He's behind Jack. Moves into a perfect position to receive that pass, and, and Greg Taylor knows he's going to be there. And he hits this again, this five, six yards between those two defensive lines. It hits Matt O'Reilly. I mean, you, you know the rest. You know, it's 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 a really lovely touch. Really, really, really good awareness to see Kyogo. I haven't put pictures of Kyogo's run here, but again, it's it's a, it's an astonishing piece of like movement within the box. Like he just sends Davies. Uh, I, I, could, I could actually be suitor like uh, that kind of shift the body weight he does he just pulls backwards get the mm. ball and it's it, it's the one really great piece of quality so I mean so overall the fact game, that yeah. O'Reilly ghosts like that um, I mean they basically ghosts from the right wing right across the, fr- the, f- the front of their box and he doesn't seem to get picked up at any point is that a kind of fault of their system the fact that he doesn't get picked up by anyone I mean, well, yes. I mean, if you don't pick a person up and do that, it's a fault, but it's not a huge fault. Like, and, and you do. I mean, it could that. be a fault of an individual player, or is it is it a fault of the way they were set up? I mean, the setup is pretty good. I mean, it's it's tight, quite quite compressed, and so on. It's probably Raskin that should should set up, but I think Raskin is nominally his man is Aaron Moy because Aaron Moy is the right-hand side of number eight and he's on the left-hand side of that kind of double pivot for Rangers. But Celtics number eights are really good at doing this, especially Matt O'Reilly and Hatate. They start on one side and come over. So technically, I guess he would be Jack's man. But 
is coming from the other side and it's not purely man marking. So I think it's just, it's essentially a rightist movement. And yet nobody picks it up and that's a mistake, but it's also very difficult. And it's, it's, it's great movement. The timing of Taylor's run out wide where he starts, it kind of pulls Tillman and Jack out towards him. And Raskin's kind of probably... It, it, Raskin stays in the middle the whole time. And, but even where O'Reilly receives the ball, he receives the ball on the 18-yard line. Yes, but it's not. He's still got the whole of Rangers. He doesn't have much space. He's still got Rangers' back line to cope with. But it's just his technique. It's, it's the way he brings the ball with him on the first touch. His awareness. I mean, from where he passes the ball, I mean, it's, it's crowded and it's quite far out wide, but he just finds the perfect pass. So it's, yeah, there's mistakes in there, but it's also like real, real quality from Celtic. We can't we can't praise him too much though because uh, we don't like assists or goals on this show. So it's pretty good expected assist that you get about zero point three five. So Lovely. if you keep putting up the expected assist, you do. overall to kind of box off that session section, um, Grim, I think Rangers' defensive block made a lot of sense. Um, I'm slightly annoyed I didn't see it coming, and uh, to be honest with you, because but it'll be an interesting one to kind of look out for uh, when it comes to the Cup semi-final. But so, it, but it did restrict Celtic a lot, especially the centre-backs unable to find the pass makes it, if they can't find a pass quickly, makes it difficult for them because they are a bit ponderous on the ball. They're not hugely confident on it. We know all this. And the left-hand side, again, for Celtic, really the one that produced Greg Taylor's movement, Matt O'Reilly's movement, Mayada's running, and then that quality on the ball from Taylor and, and Mayada. So, Rangers defensive setup did its job. It has probably as well as it could do. Um, but you know, it's just Celtic. Some of the players, the system. It's really, really good, Graham. Yeah. Two questions based on that. Um, first of all, I described it on the agenda as uh, the the two centre backs and uh, Joe Hart basically playing all their hits in the first half, and by that I meant they're they were doing the stuff that we slag or criticise them for on a weekly basis, and that was being shit on the ball, basically. Um, the, the first half was kind of marred by constant passing to the opposition, uh, misplaced passes. Again, as someone who watched about you might be able to tell me that I'm maybe overemphasizing that, but it felt as if there was a lot of misplaced pass, passes in that first half. Um, is that... Is that because of the way that they were set up? Were we basically misplacing passes because they they had tacted us in a, in a fantastic way? Like they were shutting off the usual passing lanes for us? And also, do you think this worked well enough for Michael Beale that he would be confident doing it again in the cup final, given that we did still score three goals past them? Cup semi, sorry. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I think he, he's going to replicate this to a large degree. Right? I, I think he might change something in possession, but we we'll get back to that. But in terms of just passing accuracy, yeah, Celtic had 82%. That is the lowest this season. Mm. Any any competition, if, including the Sydney Cup. Right? Mm. Uh, so, and the second lowest was 84% at Ibrox. Um, so it was, I mean, in terms of the actual players, you know, I, there was I can't remember the centre backs 
the centre backs were 91, 92%, maybe a bit higher, but I think the missed passes were maybe a lot in the midfield as well. But yeah, that's what it is. I know this Manchester system was about stopping the passing lines, you know, it's about yeah, being aggressive. And whereas the centre backs, I think the centre backs were. My main issue with them isn't that they lose the ball a lot instead of too safe. But by being too safe, by going back, you end up in a situation often with, with Joe Hart that he maybe goes long or you have to go long and that, that's kind of how you lose position. Um, although <laughs> Joe Hart did hit, technically hit uh, all his passes uh, this game as well. So, but yeah, I, I think overall defensively, it, it worked for Rangers. Right, it's okay. It's, it's the three goals, but uh, and as I said, the work for Rangers defensively, the structure, the structure, the system work. Obviously, there's some huge mistakes in there uh, from them uh, as well. But I reckon he, he'll replicate that. Now, Graham, the interesting question is, will he replicate what they did in possession? Because hopefully, because I, I, we talked about this on the weekend update as well that they've been going long constantly for how many derbies now? You know. And especially the last two darmers were almost constantly long. This time, they did change it. Like they, they tried to play out from the back a lot. This is again. I think they, they had a look at Celtic and went less, less, less test their block. Like let's test the defensive block because we we come up on it talked about it in games like especially Hearts and Hibs that I don't know, you know go Celtic's block is not. Working 100%, it's, it's, it's a bit sloppy, but you get away with it. So, again, it, it was a very, very clear change from the last couple of games. Rangers went short, and they, they wanted to try and play out. And very early on, well, I, I said very early on, watching it back, I know the result, right? Um, I mean, uh, you know, as an aside, I, I was at the game, and... and Trying you a big to game get... hunter still, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> um, at least I show up for the big games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, where are you? Um, Follow it. But yeah, fair enough. It's you know I, I was quite low down, so it's trying to get any sort of tactical for just just you know uh, impossible. I, I was just shouting for to Johnson to fucking do them on the whole game. That, that was what I was doing at the game, mm-hmm. uh, which he did. And um, I was put a horse after us as well. Uh, never mind. Oh, the pretty like, horses. Sorry. It's a horse. Horse. Like no, just... Yeah, no, that was. Uh, I, even Max, who's seven, started um, correcting my pronunciation of things. So, so don't you worry about that. Um, but image seventeen is watching. But I was, I was kind of scared that because the way Rachel set up, like as I said before, four two two two. So instead of having one pivot at a time, sometimes they have two. And image 17, I was like, you know, Raskin and Jack was kind of having those both as a double pivot might make it difficult for Celtic to cover this because, again, Celtic didn't go with what well, maybe I thought that kind of four, like, you know, the, the four, four, one, one that we've kind of seen sometimes where you have Matt O'Reilly been yeah, so Matt O'Reilly just pushed up beside Kyogo. Mm-hmm. So I was like, but with that double pivot, you're making it difficult then for them your two front strikers to cover the double pivot. But image 17 is like, it was an image earlier on, but I think the front two 
you can see in image 18 worked really well to cover it. And that is after 13 minutes on image 18. And if Matt O'Reilly and Kyogo, you know, the pressing initially, the ball go wide, they're on that double pivot straight away. And after that, Graham, you know, there's there's a lot of images there, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, uh, up to 24, all had the same pattern. Celtics front press, not Celtics press at all, worked really well. It worked really, really well. Rangers just could not get out. The front two, I image 19, the front two is covering the pivot. The lines are really compressed. Rangers have to go up the like up the line. So you have the front two, you have the the back the four after that with Jota, Moy, McGregor, Maeda, nice and tight, close to the front two. Celtic have to go uh, Rangers have to go wide when they go up the line. Alston Johnson, the fullbacks, they're straight away covering behind it. Image 20, again, Rangers just can't get out. Celtic lines are nice and compact. I will mention one other play at this point. I thought was surprisingly good in the organized place. Jota, I thought he, he was mm-hmm. aggressive when pressing. But if you have a look at him, always looking around, that pers- and, and that kind of wide man in that four, very crucial to where they are because they, they need to stay close centrally if the ball's on the side. They need to be able to jump out. Well, Jota was really well. He, he did it really, really well. Image 21 is on the left-hand side. Again, Rangers can't get out. You know, the lines are compact. It's no space and good work in front. So Rangers have to go long from the fullback position, try to up the line. And that's with Alston Johnson on the other side. As soon as I did on the left-hand side, Greg Taylor there. Image 21, he wins the ball back. Less than a minute later, image 22. Again, good pressing out wide. The ball has to go up along, uh, up the line from Rangers. Boom, Greg Taylor is there, wins the ball back as, as well. Again and again and again, this happened. Rangers tried to play it out, tried to play out. Celtics press is working. You know, again, the lights were close. Everybody was staying close together in terms of within those lines, but also, you know, the the midfield line was always close to the front line. Well, it's not easy to see the defensive line on the TV. It, it, they seem close as well, because as soon as the ball popped behind, say, Aaron Moy on the right-hand side, or Cal McGrady on the left-hand side, the fullback was there, image 23. Alice Johnston is, is, is there, as Greg Taylor was on the strike. Aggressive, nice, wins the ball. And... You know, we talked a little bit about the first goal, but image 24, the first goal, it, it comes from this. Rangers tried to play out. Um, again, Celtic's press is working. They can't get out. They, it, so it, this time, I think Suter doesn't even try to go to his fullback. He just goes long, high ball, and Johnston wins the header out wide. That eventually ends up with CCV. And you know the rest because we just talked about it 10 minutes ago. Um, and Celtic score. So, Image 25 is just another example I thought of, of Jota's defensive work. You know, he was a really good, nice interception uh, in terms of Cantwell because Cantwell broke through like his markers um, one of the few times broke through. Jota tucks in nicely, picks up the ball. Most is, most interceptions in the game for Celtic. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought off the ball, he's that that really worked. Um, so I'm getting the kind of impression that you think for the cup final... They're more likely to try and do a combination of two things. Stealing my thunder here. Tell, tell, <laughs> t- tell me what you think. 
I, I think you think they're going to do the defence from this game and they're going along from previous games because obviously. And also from that, a couple of questions based on that. So is that what you think, first of all? How do you think Ange goes about um, trying to kind of break this def- this defensive structure down? Because despite the fact we scored three, we scored three goals, there was an element of luck. I mean, two of them... The, the players uh, sold the jerseys to us and we didn't buy them because of rags. Um, so how do you think Angie needs to uh, will try and combat that? And also, what did what do you make of, I mean, the, the two big players that they were uh, bemoaning the fact that they didn't play in the cup final, uh, Cantwell and Raskin, what did you make of them? What, what, how, how did, are they good for, uh, for Rangers' system, do you think? And are they going to be good signings for them, do you think? Listening to the the review last week in uh, when, when you said, yeah, I, I did enjoy Stephen pulling up of asking uh, him four questions. I once that was only three, but yeah. uh, uh, try to go through them. Yes, I think the Rangers will. Uh, uh, well, uh, that's my kind of my feeling. You know, I, I think Bill will look at that as he's happy with how they did defensively, but this is tied into Raskin and Cantwell as well. I just talked about it the weekend up that I said if Raskin and Cantwell starts, I did it didn't even include Tillman in that. If they two start, I don't think they're gonna go along that much. They didn't, and they tried to. I think them in there was, you know, classing all that they weren't gonna go along at the time, and they tried to play out. Just didn't manage. I mean, Cantwell was on the edge a lot in terms of his tackles. I think he he was lucky and I think he was he's just Way of it, but <laughs> maybe their centre backs are really bad on the ball. <laughs> you know, Cupid, I don't think they're really great uh, as well. But Baskin and Cantwell was in there to try and play through ranges, um, get ranges through Celtics press, but it just didn't manage. Um, the kind of question in the middle in terms of was Celtic lucky in terms of HG, I think. There was a few different XGs, you know, for different providers and so on. And instead, I'm going to start referring to soon about it's had Celtic at 0.89, ranges at 118. Statsbomb had Celtic at 0.60, and ranges at 0.87. White Scout, who I guess we like now, had because they had Celtic at 1.2 and and ranges at 1.04. So, but yeah, Celtic do get three goals, but roughly to get one XG, right? Mm. And, but that's that happens in games, right? That's you know, it's it's just it's nice when it happens when you get that variance at the right time, which it definitely did as well. Um and it, as you say, the last two goals, while there's elements and we get to this of Celtic do the right things beforehand and, and it lead up to those attacks. So obviously it's two quite big mistakes as well. Um so where were we? Yes, just um, just before you go on, the one yeah. that, I, that I kind of based, I, I was talking an agenda about how we outperformed them in next year. I was basing that on FOTMOB, who had us at one point zero nine versus Rangers zero point six nine, which is the biggest difference out of any of the ones that you've you've said. There. Yeah, I'm... yeah. Listeners might not be interested in a shot by shot analysis of who has that, but I, I think it all says. Celtic roughly won XG from three goals, and I think Vinicius roughly won as well 
with two goals. So in that sense, it's chance-wise. Um, I think overall, like the first half crystallizes, Celtic struggled to break down Rangers as Brock. Well, you know, but Rangers struggled to get out at all. And both mm-hmm. teams press work pretty well. And I think the first half for Insta overall, Celtic wins 4-2 in shots, XG of 0.42 to 0.12, right? Teams cancel each other out in that first half pretty much in terms of, okay, Celtic had the ball much, got higher up the pitch, couldn't really break down the block. Rangers tried to play out, just couldn't do it. Like, just could not do it. And before we go back to half 60 minutes onwards as you said before about missing passes yeah Rich's system worked well there's also some individual performances within the Celtic team that contributed to, <laughs> to Rich's few attacks and why play broke down uh, that's going to be about a certain hairless individual yeah it's Dice Maeda I have a lot to say about Dice Maeda um I think we have to talk to him, right, about it. Aaron Moy, right? And I am aware aware that, you know, from the start, I've been critical of Aaron Moy. And I think I've continued to be critical of what he brings to the team, even when there's obvious, in his obvious contributions to him. He was horrendous on the ball. Absolutely shocking. Like obviously where I was sitting is I was sitting where like the away fans usually sit to get spare tickets, and there was a lot of spare tickets, um, people getting spare tickets and that. So I befriended um pretty much a da next to me. Uh I guess I'm a da as well, but it, we, we very as much a mindset, my friend. Exactly. And it's probably about 15 years older than me, but we did really bond over how bad Aaron Moy was and how much we were essentially yelling at him. I don't think I've seen a worse Celtic performance in a long, long, long time, Graham. I mean, it was... Um, listen, <laughs> I, I was going to go Tyler Blackett, but yeah, side to Jenkins as well. <laughs> it was just horrendously bad on the ball, but for me, image 26, there's a couple of things. He was off the ball. He was even worse for me. Image 26 is Barisic trying to link up with Kent down the left-hand side. Jota goes out to press. Aaron Moy is about five, six metres away from Jota. Standing still, Barish sends the ball to Kent to get a one-two. Aaron Moy, still standing still, pretty much. And he, I mean, this is still, if you watch this in real life, it's it's not moving. Like, in a situation where he needs to be on his toes, he needs to be close, he needs to be as soon as the ball goes to Kent, he comes back into Barishes, he, he drives in, and he needs to be all over him. It's, it's hard to move the whole time. And it's, I think, image 27 is right after the first goal. He actually follows Cantwell into the penalty box. He leaves him to CCV, and, I t- <laughs> and then, and you can kind of see why, because CCV is kind of going, okay, it's mine, but then CCV immediately leaves Cantwell to, because he runs uh, behind Starfield. This is essentially what takes Starfield away from, from Tillman. But the first image is Aaron Moy looking at Tillman. The ball is out wide uh, with, I think, Jack at this point. The ball goes out to 
uh, Tavernier, Armoy. Still just watching Tillman on the edge of the box. He's basically man-marking a Celtic player. It's man-marking Mike O'Reilly. Um, let's try and pick up some tips. Um, but the ball comes in to Tillman, who's he's, he's now the free man. The race has got five out wide, Celtic's got four. And it's only then he starts moving. This is Tillman gets the shot off it's just after the first goal, and it's a really close chance. But I think image 28 just kind of just symbolizes his whole day when he messes up the ball uh, in the second half. Morales is, takes the ball off him. He basically supermans him. He dives mm-hmm. and holds his leg. Mm-hmm. And you can cut at this point, I, I genuinely feel bad for him because what happens afterwards is that obviously you get the free kick. I think he knows he's having an absolute all-time stinker. <laughs> Rachel has to freak the ball goes up. This is the second image in this image 29. It's like a series of three images. And the ball kind of there's a duel, the ball falls down. Aramoy takes two, three steps, probably closes his eyes and just belts the ball completely out of the like up the stance. And you just go like you didn't need to clear that ball. You, you, he was obviously like so annoyed at himself. He just, how do they ever seen anything like it's completely lost his head? Just belted the ball out of the ground. I was and like, it, his it, head had gone at that stage. It, uh, it's hashtag head's gone. And, yeah. and you can see Matt O'Reilly just drawing his hands up because he's like, look, mate, just this, you can have a, this kind of contract. contract. He's like, Matt O'Reilly's probably going, how the hell is that? Am I not in the team? That's a bit harsh, but he's, it, I don't know. A couple of things on, on it, though. Like, so you, you spoke about how our our press was so good that we they couldn't get out. Surely, if if Moy was that bad, then there would have been a massive hole in that press. Second of all, what what do you think it was? Because he's not been like we we've been critical of him, but he's not been like this. So, what, what do you think no, caused this? I, I think organisational wise, the, the press worked well, and I think he was where you wanted him to be. He moved up with McGregor. He was close to Jota. So, yeah, structurally, I think it worked. He he played a role in that, absolutely. He moved where he had to move at, at that point. And it's good because I think the system you know, helped the players there as well because they moved in tandem, right? They moved. There was never that big gap between the front two and the midfield two. The ball, ball bent behind the midfield two. The defense was there. So structurally, I think they helped each other as well. No, as you say, we get on to Matt O'Reilly now, okay? Because um, I wanted to have like a we have a, a shit sandwich, you know. You have a, a bad thing with a good thing. Um, I don't think that yesterday's performances from Aaron Moy and Matt O'Reilly was that far off your standard performance for both. That that sounds harsh, but. I will get to we'll get what I thought Matt O'Reilly was really good. Well, Aaron Moy can't really run. He is slow on the ball at times. He is slack at times. It is just that the moments have been very favorable to Aaron Moy, like so far this season. He's very much a moments player. I think in this game specifically, he didn't have the time on the ball. So his weaknesses are much more pronounced. It just add to that a really bad day at the office as well, right? So there's a couple of things that there's always issues with Moy's play. There's 
always that. But because he had less time on the ball in games like this, his weaknesses are much more likely to be exposed. It's probably because he hasn't played in a little while as well. And it just had to be a bad day. So, But it's not like... <laughs> we'll get to this with Alistair Johnston debate as well, but even though Aaron Moy have had great moments and he had some key moments for Celtic, we know he has strengths. So it's not undoubtedly, but we always said, and I said, in these kind of pressurized games, his weaknesses are much more likely to be exposed, right? And this was him on an extra bad day. But honestly, I was not surprised at that level of performance of him at all. Because you do need to be able to detach some a player's strengths with his weaknesses, even though his his strengths is giving him moments and contributing, doesn't mean he's suddenly not have the weaknesses. If you mm-hmm. see what I mean, so I was I wasn't surprised that the performance might come in, in the game like Rangers, and the other coin of that is is Matt O'Reilly. So I've been a defender of, of Matt O'Reilly, and I've been a defender not. It's not like him. Whereas Aaron Moy has had the moments this season. Matt O'Reilly has definitely not had the moments yet. But I, I guess that's the point of we're trying to hear it, like two hit beyond the scoreboard and everything. So much more than just moments, right? And what, you know, what I really like about Matt O'Reilly, we know he's got the technique. We talked about his work for the first goal there. We're going to talk a little bit about his work the ball for the second goal and um, yeah I, I think it's stupid giving that free kick away in front of the goal but this was a player who, who, who was facing a big game and he was relentless from the word goal like image 29 is his three images all within a few seconds like first of all he doesn't get the ball after a really good run wide from Greg Taylor second image he gets it he wins the ball back about five seconds later he has another tackle to stop the counter. This is after a few minutes now. It's like, you know, I don't like to say, oh, players are up for it. I think they're always up for it, but he was like, you could tell. Oh, in one. Yeah. And image 30 was, this is just incredibly good pressing. Like, Alistair Johnston gives the ball away. Um, I think he tries to get the ball to Kyogo, but I think it's Suter that picks it up. But you see when the ball goes to Suter, how much it's quite a big gap to Matt O'Reilly, but he comes in from the left. The ball goes out to the fullback Barishish. This is so much better seeing it as a clip, but Matt O'Reilly's like full pelt out, out to the fullback. Like really super press, right in, wins the ball. Again, um, image 31. Another piece of really, really great defensive work, but this is. You know, after the Tillman chance we talked about earlier, Rangers had a bit of pressure. They managed to dribble out of a tight space in, um, no, so, so the, the attacking down the left hand side. Morelos gets the ball behind Aaron Moy. He's kind of look around and you can get, you see Matt O'Reilly. If you compare this to what our, we talked about, Aaron Moy later not moving, Matt O'Reilly well, reads the situation. He starts moving Morelos, goes a bit wide. And he, he reads the pass, he comes in and intercepts it again. It was just constant, constantly on it, off the ball consistently. So Matt Morell in this game, the highest expected assist 
Graham Hanna, really like that. Mm-hmm. But he mm-hmm. also had the most tackles, seven. Alistair Johnson had the second most with four. Taylor had three. He has the most pressures with 38 pressures. I know he's in the front line, so you pressure a lot. Kyogo had 29. Johnson what what constitutes a pressure? So this is um, essentially a, a stats bomb measure of um, pressuring an opponent, essentially out, out of the possession. Um, so if I shut someone down and they misplace a pass, that would be a pressure? That's an attempted pressure. You have successful there as well, but usually... Oh, uh, XP. <laughs> that's expressing. But for the, usually, like, for example, I think Kyogo had about half his pressures was deemed successful. Matt O'Reilly had loads more. He had 74% of them were successful as well. So, as I said, I, but I, again, I don't think yesterday's performance is Matt O'Reilly's far off your standard performance from, because he is tireless off the ball in terms of his movement, defensively of it. It's good defensive work. He sets up chances. The difference in this was he had the moments as well, right? Mm-hmm. He had that big moments. But this is why I want Matt O'Reilly in the team. It's not, I honestly do not have a personal vendetta, I guess. Aaron Moy, right? I think we've talked about his strengths, the role he can have in this squad. But those big moments he has doesn't take away from his weaknesses. And the fact that Matt Rell hasn't had the big moments doesn't take away from everything he does. And I think this, honestly, there has to be a turning point. Aaron Moy will play better than this. But Matt O'Reilly offers you so, so much so much more. And he is such a benefit for the system. He does so much more off the ball. And he's, you know, he's, he's 22 years old. He's an ambitious, ambitious player. To be quite honest, Frank Graham, he cannot sit on the bench because of Aaron Moyes in front of him. Mm. He, he, he just can't. It's, that's not to say he has to play every game and you can't rotate. And as, you know, Aaron Moy has been, he's, has been effective in parts, but he's been effective against you know, in a situation where the team has managed to you know, do a lot of work for him, so his strengths come to the fore. This has to stop. <laughs> it's not a little to make him to actually something, but Matt O'Reilly shows how good he is. How, he's still so young. He puts in these performances, I think, very often he gets credit for, but he puts it in, in a really good game. He needs to start, and he needs to start ahead of Aaron Moy, because Celtic is a better team than he does. I'm it's gonna... as simple as that. I'm going to tell Gal that the next time we get someone sent to the press conference, it has to be you, and you have to start the question with <laughs> Ange. It has to stop. Look, Ange, mate, <laughs> listen. Um, no, but like, it's Aaron Moy, as I said, he won't be as bad as that, right? It will be his game is effective. Matt O'Reilly's not that. He's, he can't be, sometimes he's a bit slack on the ball. I mean, a free kick is a better rush of the head. He's not a complete player, but. My word, he does not get the credit he, he deserves for all the work he does. And my God, Aaron Moy just get off so, so easy for the work he doesn't do off the ball because he's had the big moments. So, but um, he, he, did, he did only last the 60 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Um, Iwata mm-hmm. came in, and this is what we want to talk about next, the, the, the final phase of the game. I, I, I felt like I, I enjoyed Iwata's performance, but I felt as if for someone that was shitting themselves so much at this stage, um, it felt as if there was a real lack of control and it felt as if there was massive gaps and it was worrying. It felt as if we didn't, we weren't in control of the game anymore. What did, what did, 
what did what I offer? What did they bring to the team? How did we see out the, the last stage of this game? Well, we kind of labeled this 60 to the end, but it's, it's two very specific faces within that as well. Mm-hmm. But if you want to like have a little look at against the different game states and how they ebb and flow, as we start from the start of the game to the first goal, Celtic has three million shots and they have an XG of 0 40. Range has got nothing. But after the Celtic goal in about the 26th minute up until the 60th minute, Rangers wins the shot count five to one. Hmm. The only shot Celtic have between their goal and Aramoy coming off is Jota's long ranger, <laughs> long range shot, um, 0.02 xg. Rangers has 0.72 in the same. So Celtic have control of the first, like no xg, no shots for Rangers first half an hour. Then the next essentially half an hour, a bit more. Celtic's got one long range shots. But up to so overall up to the 60th minutes, five foreign shots to Rangers, XG 0.42, Celtic 0.72 to Rangers. But the interesting bit now, from Moy's substitution in the 60th to the third goal in the 73rd minute, three nil in shots to Celtic against 0.45 XG. So you have these periods of time where Rangers just don't take a shot and Celtic had the initiative. Ivata should have started instead of Aaron Boy. And that, that's a very, like, you know, like, does this Monday night quarterbacking, I guess? Um, usually Monday morning, and uh, you do that. But, and you can say that with hindsight. But, Image 32, for example, is the first build up after Ivata comes up. And it's CCV who's got the ball. Rangers is set up in that same way, you know, the two at the front, the four. Again, Rangers kind of miss Matt O'Reilly because Matt O'Reilly has positioned himself between the defensive line and midfield line. And I think this might be a lot to do with Devata because he's positioned himself in front of Raskin. So you've got kind of two central midfielders on one side. And again, between Jack and Raskin, they haven't picked it up. So very first build up, CCB, Matt O'Reilly, you know, Beckins for the ball. CCV sets a nice ball. Drew Matarelli. It leads to the cross. Needs to <laughs> Ben Davis. Um, hitting the ball straight at Jota, who obviously, you know, according to Tavernier, a blatant handball from mm-hmm. two inches mm-hmm. away. And Kyoga scores. But then, what I really like with Ivata was Image 33 is, is one example. His, his press strength, right? The ball goes from I think it's Barisic back to McGregor. The front room, O'Reilly and Kyogo is pressing really high. They're pressing right. So what Ivata does, he runs up to cover the pivot in front of him, Jack, behind the front mm-hmm. two. Because if he doesn't do that, Jack can get the ball across. But when the ball goes down out wide, he runs back to cover the number eight, Raskin, behind him. So he had to go up to press because the front two went up to press. He had to run up. When the ball goes up, he runs straight back and covers as well. Again, absolutely tireless. Um, at this point, uh, Image 34 is not actually that relevant, but kind of is, but Image 34, you can see after the um, Sakala comes on for Tillman, Rangers change the block, right? So they go, the two strikers up front, but then they put Kent on McGregor. So it's a bit more aggressive. Image 34, you can see how aggressive they are in the press. But Ivata's movement, I think, 
kind of help nullify that straight away. This is, again, this is, I wish I could show you a clip. It's so good because image 35 is, Ibata is starting on Celtic's right-hand side, right? He's in line with CCV. He's about 30 yards out. Joe Hart goes to the other side to the left. It goes out to Greg Taylor. He goes back to Carstelford. But Ibata has done the run right across from the right Ball goes back to Car- Starfield. It goes to CCV. goes over to Alistair Johnson. Who's there to receive the ball like <laughs> seconds later? Ivata. In hundreds it's, of space. It's basically like, uh, I, I call them doggies. You know, the, you know, the, <laughs> you run back and forth. It's, it's, the bleep test. The bleep test, essentially. It's doing an incredible movement just to show for the ball. He gets the ball here, right? He gets the image 36 is him getting the ball. He sends it out to Alistair Johnston. The ball goes up, a long ball. It's a duel. It falls down. Who's there? In range, this is half already to pick the loose ball up. It's a batter. Like, it's run sideways. It runs up and down. And again, image 37. He, Alistair Johnston has the ball. Um, is he giving him, uh, Ibata's giving him a passing option right inside his own half. H, it takes. Nice run by Alistair Johnson. Just want you to note that. Mm-hmm. Nice run by Alistair Johnson. Before the next section. Down the line. A cross comes in. Second ball. Who's already there to pick up the second ball? It's a batter, right? Um, so, <laughs> but it, then the ball goes all the way back to Joe Hart. Joe Hart gets the ball. And I, I remember actually screaming, Joe Hart, Joe Hart, it's a batter. Look at the Ivata is right on out on the right hand side now already. Like he's he's everywhere. He gives the passing option. Um in his 38. And that that set of play, um, he essentially tries to pass the ball up on the first touch. Rangers wins the ball, but that is the pass back to Suter that he misses up the so his running, Ivata's just running fresh legs. Okay, he has fresh legs. His legs works better than Armoy anyway, but he's absolutely tireless. And he, I think, in that period, he, I think he was instrumental. Just as he wasn't setting up chances in, but he was instrumental in kind of. Rich has tried to do something different with the block. I think he's running. He was picking up second balls. He was giving passing options. He was he was doing the pressing, and I think he, you know, low key contributed to, to Celtic's kind of two ball uh, two goals in that period. This is one of the first times that we've seen him in the eight. And more advanced. Do you think he's suited to to playing an eight in Angie's system, or do you think he will be the six, or will be the kind of swap for Gal McGregor? So I've heard from a guy who's heard from a guy who's inside, not the Celtic first team set, but it's like he'll know, right? Um, although if I trust his source, but they're hugely impressed with Devata. Uh, a Celtic, and I think to see him as someone who can play a four, six, and eight. Um, I had to think about who else to four. Yeah, the centre back. This is somebody I think they think can play all those three roles really well. Mm. And I think I see him. <laughs> I so it's not a combination of Cal McGregor and Riyad Tati because that will be Ballantor, right? But <laughs> you can see him having some of the same elements. Yeah, I think he can set a bit deeper. He can pass the ball, but I think he's got that tirelessness that Hatata has as well. And I don't think he's got the extreme skills of either of them. 
but he looks like he's got a really good combination that he can do this. So I, yeah, I, you can play it in the, eight. But the, I think it is, see, if you have him and with Gregor there, I think they almost automatically kind of changes a bit as well. And, yeah. and they can do that automatically. See, the, 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 the thing with utility players is that they, when they're so good in a few positions, they, just, they often don't hold down a place in the first team. Do you think he's good enough to be holding down a place in the first team? I mean, Matt Riley there has to not go. Rihard Tati. Joke. Um, I think, I mean, for me, it's McGregor, Hatati, and then okay, okay, Matt O'Reilly, but he's right up there. And I think, you know, centre-back, it would be interesting. Uh, imagine him and Kobayashi. I think Kieran Devlin would fall over. Um, I get your point, but I think, I think it's a nice, maybe Haxabanov is kind of in the same kind of trap, but I think if if you give him a run in the team, I don't think he would look back. I'm, I, I feel I'm slightly more enthusiastic uh, about him about Steam Russell. I don't, I don't think Steam Russell is quite sold yet. I'll no. work on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and Steam Russell and Aaron had uh, an interesting discussion today of whether um, you sh- you would sell Kyogo if you got a good bid for it. Um, Christ, ah, Christ. Um, let's not go into that before you destroy your let, let's, Celtic career. Um, let, but... Let's. Um, I, for the record, I said no. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, before, before we go, I've got, you give me a segue that I'm going to jump on because we've got a question and the agenda that I, I didn't get to. And this is from Michael who wrote in. Um, Hi, Michael. He said, firstly, whilst I'm a big fan of Haxabanovich, I think he can leave us very open at times. Is it a case of he needs a full pre-season or is he just not fit enough for the system? There was a point where he lost the ball at 3-2 and it led to a chance for them. Secondly, would you be happy with a midfield three of Kalmak, Hitati and Iwata for the semi-final? What do you think of these two questions from Michael? Um, Haxabanovich is an interesting one because... I was going to say something obviously he's not starting um, but then he's not starting behind Jota and Maeda I kind of get that at this point I, I I do think as Michael alluded to there I think with pre-season it's kind of it's new cards there and I, I think he he could you know be really real contender about it but you, you do need to do the off the ball work and I think we talked about I praised Jota there as well, but you know that's almost two years in, and I don't mm-hmm. think Jota has been that good. In the, you do need to learn that. You need, especially especially in Europe, that's the work you need to do. Right, it needs to be on and off the ball. Um, I'll, I'll give him a bit of slack in terms of coming into like like derbies like that with fifteen minutes left. Like, yeah, it's I think that slackness just kind of comes with it, but. I, I think for me, it's mostly it's off the ball stuff, and it's not saying you can't do. It. I can think you can, but the, I think there's an adjustment period. But again, preseason, he, he could be one of the contenders. That midfield tree, <laughs> yeah, I want Matt O'Reilly in there. You know, if but if Hatate is not fit, Matt O'Reilly, Ibata, McGregor, yes, yes, please. I'm, I'm more than happy with that. But it's a nice segue. Because up until the third goal, what happens after that is, and you, you know, I'm, I'm going to have a word with Ansh on the next press conference. I'm going to have a word with him about this as well. Because this was a bit bizarre for me. He takes off Matt O'Reilly, which is 
which is fine, like because he's, he's running. It takes off Jota, fine, but he puts on Hexabanovich and all, and I go, if you take off Matt O'Reilly at that point. I think you have to put another midfield on there. You need to put David Turnbull on. Because image... There was <laughs> so a question talking... I asked of Alan on the agenda. Sorry, I know you haven't had a chance to, okay. to okay. listen to it Thanks yet. for telling me what Alan is saying, so I don't actually completely... No, I'm, I'm, not, gonna tell you. I'm not going okay. to tell you what he said. I'm going to ask okay. you the question I asked him. Okay. What do, do you think this says... Do you think this says something about David Turnbull that all... Came on and we went to four two four, trying to see out a game against Rangers. Do you think that says something about Dave Turnbull? Yeah, I guess. I guess the question is if if you had had Matt O'Reilly or even Aaron Moy on the bench instead of a, would it come on? Maybe not, but it still doesn't make sense to me. Like, maybe maybe it's Dan's just going for the juggler and says, "Let's do let's do four. But for me, <laughs> take it all the way back to. Ross County away, Graham. And we talked about this when it was Kyogo and Gigi. Mm. When they when the Celtic was chasing a goal, and I was like, it just didn't work. Like and Kyogo tried to be a bit deeper and be that third midfielder, but I think this team just got too stretched. It's like image thirty eight is just one example. Like Rangers went long on the counter. Celtic got a four men back, but when CCB wins the, the duel. It's only really McGregor and Ivata left against four Rangers like players where the ball drops to. Because Mayera and Haxabanish have been pressing high. Owen Kyogo has been pressing high. And I think, okay, maybe because Haxabanish is on, he wants to press as well. But I think it's those kind of situations. It simply becomes too stretched. Even how much Kyogo tries, it's just not his game. And this image for the is is that leads to the huge having a chance at the back post, right? I thought that was a from where I was sitting. It just seemed a very strange sub to me. It it and it, right away it got better when Turnbull and Bernabe came on, but to go essentially to four four two when you know Rangers are going to try everything forward, I think it's just it, put David Turnbull on, like put all on. If you have Hexaban, which is running around there, you know, you're going to get chances on the counter. It just seemed, it just seemed like the wrong sub to me. Quite simple. I mean, I mean, like from the third goal to the end of the game, Celtic zero shots, range is four, range is 0.46, you know, in, in terms of XG. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's just it's like the wrong sub to make. And I think it put Celtic in a little bit of a bother. It didn't need to be. And I think, Christ, for all the things I've said on this pod, I thought David Turnbull should have come on sooner. At least I think I think he did well when he came on. So we're going to move on to the last section of uh, the review. I've not been looking forward to it, to be honest. We're, <laughs> we're about to talk about a player who got the man of the match in the game. He has was then videoed talking, drinking wine from a bottle at the hospitality afterwards, and describing the gap as a chasm between. Celtic and Rangers, which is obviously something that's going to adhere to the fans. Uh, but you want to take the thing that the fans love and enjoy yeah. and ruin it for them. Um, Look, if you've if you're one minute and twenty minutes into the review, you know we're going to suck the joy out of anything you like. Mm-hmm. So you know, 
Except brown cheese. I mean, I think we can... We can try and suck that as well, but it's still delicious. Um, I think Alistair Johnson, right? He does a lot of very good things in this game. Like, especially defensively, but also a bit on the ball. You know, a couple of nice crosses, longer balls. But when he got the man of the match in the ground, I was like, well, I was like, (laughs) no. And... It, weirdly, look watching the game back, you can kind of see like some of the tackles. They zoom in on him, put a psychic sacrifice, and you kind of get what. So it's a it's probably a bit disingenuous for me to go through and say, look, not sure. We talked about some of his good stuff, and but for me, it was just like let's not have this discussion right again, right? Because we don't have to go through everything I, f- I thought was that bad, but like at times I think it's too safe on the ball. Like image 49 is it's a point where he should, you know, with Celtic was struggling to break down Rangers press. There is an opportunity to, to release Callum McGregor. He doesn't. Callum McGregor is obviously annoyed. Image 40. Listen, that's his free kick across white car Starfield. Absolutely horrendous ball, right? That <laughs> it, it, it's it, it seems like way, way, way far up to Starfield. It has to go up to Sam. And then it comes back to his side left, and he stops Kent. Like so, he, again, he cleans up his his mess there. You know, it's almost Ralston esque. And um, image forty one again, he misses McGregor with a very short pass, and it's Greg Taylor that has to kind of mop it up before Kentwell picks it up. Again, it could have been very dangerous. Image forty two. Is not made by Ryan Kent out wide, and and it gets past him. And this is right before this is the sequence that leads to Rangers' free kick. Image forty three, again. Someone who is good defensively, I think he really, really struggled on the crosses. Image forty three is in the second half that comes across in, and he meets a header at the back post. But I don't know what he's trying to do. But he heads it straight into CCB's back. Mm. Right, and it ends up with a really big chance on. I think it's Jacko Tillman at at the far post. This is on one one. Joe Hart makes a good save. That if that's a better shot and that goes in, you'd be looking at what was Alistair Johnston doing there, and that that's a key moment in the game. The disallowed gold is one thing. I to to come to Kenny uh, Clark's defense. You can kind of, there's a motion that you you can, if you see it in fast, I think you kind of, it, it kind of almost seems like a push. I don't think it's much of a push. Like it, it is a really soft one. I don't know why he's doing on that. I think it needs to be stronger. But image 44, the same thing happens again, right? He just crumbles under Merlot's pressure. That's, again, a huge chance for us. That's when I think it hits Merlot's header from about five yards. I think it hits... Tillman or Jack, mm. and it just it bounces out. Image 45 is it's right afterwards, right? He gives the ball, he gives a free kick, like but being it's nice to be over aggressive. But as we talked about Matt O'Reilly, you know, didn't need to give a free kick there. He doesn't need to give a free kick in 45. That's the chance for Cantwell his the side netting mm. right in the second half. The second goal for Rangers. I mean, there's three Rangers players at the back. There's just CCB and Justin, but not 
neither of them looks behind them once, and the ball floats over him. Technically, it's this man, the second goal, and that goal. So there was a lot of these things. Image forty-seven. But surely you're not expecting the right back to be coaching in on the left hand side. <laughs> I, ex- I expect my right back to look behind him and and try to justify to the ball. Like again, if that's three three, if that's, I think the nice would have been out straight away from. And but image forty-seven is when he gives the ball, he tries to send it back to CCV at three-two. It's way way, way too short, and Morelos, um, this is when Morelos always comes to the shot at the back post, really light on. The cross comes over to the right-hand side again. Johnson stops the cross from Sakala. He does his job. But again, his weaknesses on the ball creates issues that he himself stops in the end. And I think image 48 is not really trying to prove something, but you see Greg Taylor's passing, compared to Alistair Johnson passing and the pass map of where they are. Alistair Johnson was almost a third centre-back in that game in terms of where he was passing the ball where Greg Taylor was quite higher up. So we talked about there was such an emphasis on the left-hand side as well. So again, (laughs) I I, I, I honestly, I really like Alistair Johnson. I think he seems... Such a, a character in a good way, and um, I think he has a mentality that, that that helps you out in those kind of games, absolutely. And um, but for me, the Alistair Johnson debate is slowly, as it's coming to my and turning into the CCB debate. Like CCB and Alistair Johnson both have genuinely a heart on hand, and um, that's a bad phrase, and um, very very good qualities. They're mainly defensively, but also some on the ball. They are much better than the alternatives, Tony Ralston and I guess Stephen Welsh. And they've really contributed to the Celtic success. But because a lot of people rightly enjoy their strengths, it almost seems like maybe and I'm not talking about the you know the night after a derby where as I said, I was loving it. On mm-hmm. the ground when you're there, and it's like you fired up. That's great. But a couple of days after, in, in you know, suck to joy, joy out everything podcast like this, mm-hmm. you can enjoy CCV and Alistair Johnson's strengths because there's many, and there are moments. But you still have to be able to acknowledge the weaknesses. There's no point trying to downplay the importance of their weaknesses just because they do a lot of good stuff as well. So. No matter how hard or how many times like you smash opponents, you win balls, you say the right things, it won't make it easier for either of them to resist a really good press from good teams in the Champions League to help Celtic build and break down blocks even like Rangers in the, the semi-final. All the good things doesn't mean you shouldn't then acknowledge their issues and they're not perfect fit for the system. Right, so the less the more that else do. So I feel a bit, a bit bad run, like showing up his good side because you could have put up seven or eight stills there showing what he did well. And he didn't, there is a reason why he got man of the match as well. You know, there's a logic in there. But if you sit down and analyze this game, he's not close to man of the match, defensively or defensively. So, but, and that's not to say, look, you shouldn't enjoy that. Um, you shouldn't essentially, you know, get your fist up. <laughs> I was trying to do a, um, I don't, is, is there a word for that? 
Mr. Reverse best Flag. Best thing I think is good. I I loved it in the ground. It, 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 it was good fun, but it's not a man of the match performance. And the issues with Alison Johnston will raise their head. Well, not will, but there is a chance they can raise their heads again and stuff like the semi final and the Champions League this next season as well. So, but it's the same with CCV as well, right? So, I, I think I just, if I didn't get out, that it was just going to annoy me because he seems, I think even Petro said, oh, he's, he's better than Juranovic. And I was like, come on, man. You know, he's, he's, he's not Juranovic, it's, it's a complete right back for the system. And while he had weaknesses and faults as well, it, it's you can't even compare them to me. He's a massive, massive upgrade on Tony Relson. I'm very happy he's there. And that seems that sounds bad for Tony Relson, but it's just my honest opinion. And you know, he's 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 key in certain parts of the game, but my word, he's you know, there's elements of his play that really, really needs to improve if Celtic's gonna take a step up in Europe. And uh, hopefully they will. That's uh, all I'm going to say in the so I don't get cancelled like you. <laughs> so um, I mean, it's not going to be that many people listening if they want to have hours. <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. If if you, you you said you're you're annoyed with yourself for not kind of calling what you, what Rangers ends up doing, I want you to do that now. What's what does give me a prediction of how you think? The cup semi final is going to play out. Like, how are we going to approach it? How are they going to approach it? And how do you think those kind of uh, approaches will will combine? Unless I think Beale's got an element of trying to show he's clever, but I mean, he, he should stick with that press he had there, right? I think they can, you know, he, they try to be a bit aggressive a little bit, and that comes from risk against Celtic. But I think he kind of, I think they will look at that and say, okay, that. Let's kind of do that again, you know. Let's put, you know, one other front two of McGregor, and then we have that bank of four to pick up Celtics two number eight and the fullbacks. You know, uh, yeah. You then go three against four at the back, but and you can see Kyogo and the lack of quality they have at centre back. You know, is and again, you know, Celtic. Yeah, the last two goals are as an element of you know mistakes from Rangers. But the first goal is you know you can try and put up all the nice systems you want, but if you get that movement and that quality, you'll probably get punished, and they probably will get punished in the in the cup semifinals as well, even even with this. But I think they'll do that. And as I say, they had to go a Celtics block, it did not work at all, Um not sure they're going to completely abandon that, but I think you go see a lot more an element of, yeah, just let's go a bit. You know, they ended up going wide down the sides. Greg Taylor, Alistair Johnson just picked him off when they tried to kind of go that. I think they might go a bit more direct in possession uh, and they can finally kind of bring that kind of chaos into when they have it. So I, th- I think that's, that's what you'll see. Celtic will try and play through this as well. I think Celtic is going to very, have a very good look at that block, right? I think they'll have a lot of thinking about what do we need to do when they have one of McGregor and four across and you don't really have that rotation of somebody switching a Celtic player to Mark and in that moment we can exploit it. I think Celtic is going to have a good look at that and think about that as well. So I think that's the chess move in there. 
as I said, I think Rangers tried to test Celtic's boy. I think they're just going to try and go over it mostly. So I, I think that's going to be more pain. That I honestly, Graham, I felt, I know I was in the stadium, I felt like I'd run 90 minutes. That was a tough game. I mean, it was just very, I had a fantastic time, but I was, I was as tired as some of the players, I think, uh, after that game. I think it'll be more of the, more of the same to most. Right, let's finish with looking at some. We've not got clear here to to shoot us along, so I'm going to take I'm going to take a liberty, oh, an, an extra five minutes here. Okay, uh, can, can I just say though? Because uh, I was, but I, I think as you said, like I think we should know Celtic's block was too good for them as well. That's where it come from, and Celtic still scored from from the system working and punished mistake. Rangers is offensive. I think it's worth laboring how bad it was because. Mm-hmm. They only had to set play. So from open play, they had three shots, 0.41 XG. And they had, in terms, if you look at take counterattacks, just open play, they had two shots and 0.18 XG. Right? Celtic, all the shots, all their XG comes from open play. So yeah, the XG was even. Rangers' defensive set was good, but offensively, they were. Something embarrassing, I'm not going to lie, let's just say. So. You love to hear it. You love to hear it. It's good that they brought these ball-playing players in to just go along again after it doesn't work. So that's, that's, that's interesting. So one thing that I found quite interesting over the, the last week, um, and I wanted to – actually, before I get to that, I wanted just to kind of briefly touch on a story that we've spoken about before, and this was the idea that um, FIFA, FIFA were trying to get Saudi Arabia to be one of the sponsors for the Women's World Cup. Um, and Infantino has had to back down, so that's not going to happen. He did have one of his uh, uh, most arrogant uh, quotes on it, as you can imagine. He said basically that he doesn't get why it's a problem, and uh, but he's not going to do it. So Today we're all sad. So. <laughs> yeah. um, he said something like, uh, visit. Very little has been said about the $1.5 billion uh, worth of trade between Australia and Saudi Arabia every year. So he's, he's, he's had, a wee, had a wee swipe at them, but he's backed down over that day. So just to kind of put a lid on that, that story that we spoke about a few weeks ago. Also, we've been speaking about gambling when it comes to the Premier League, and they have made proposals to remove all gambling sponsorships from shots, jerseys. However, this has been regarded as incoherent because they're still going to have massive gambling sponsorships on the advertising hoardings around the pitch. So they give with one hand, take with the other, as always. But the one thing I wanted to speak about before we go is the the coach, Anthony Barry. Do you know anything about Anthony Barry? Do you know who, who he is? The name rings a bell, but I, I, I couldn't tell you right now. He is the Chelsea coach that Thomas Tuchel is trying to get to uh, uh, Bayern. Okay, and something for you. Okay. Yes, yes. But no, but one of the things I found quite interesting was uh, about it was that he is a set-piece coach. And Chelsea today or yesterday rejected a six-figure offer for him. So they try to hold on to this guy really, really tightly. Uh, Tuchel wants him, uh, obviously at Bayern, and he he has been Roberto Martinez's his coach at Belgium. He has also worked for the Republic of Ireland. He is now uh, with Martinez at uh, Portugal, 
And apparently he's one of these kind of like hotshot, like Jack Jack Lyon type, uh, Michael Beale type, you know, yeah. uh, a hotshot that's regarded as going to be someone who uh, is going to go into management in, in the future. Uh, like a, a Graham Potter type, you know, <laughs> all, all the best. What do, what do you make of the the prevalence of like um, set piece set piece coaches nowadays? And do you think it's something that Celtic should be looking into? Like, is it is it is it bad that we don't have someone specialising in set set pieces? You absolutely, have someone. You know, you have to call them a set piece coach, but it's a piece coach. But yeah. I, to be honest, I don't know how much it's specifically focused on a Celtic, but it's one of those marginal, marginal, marginal gains sides of the game. You just have to explain. And it takes, there's so much to exploit here as well. I mean, there's the one situation in football that is that can be comparable to, like, say, it's you know, you know, a, a snap in American football or you know, a specific basketball play or. Uh, and so on, because you, know, you, you decide roughly where the pieces go and to have it. And it's such a huge part of it. It's countless timers about how Midtjylland's kind of first league championship was a lot to down to the set pieces, the focus they had on it. Okay, in like really nerd terms, there might be some questions about the repeatability of, of things like that, but. I know Arsenal's had had one because I think I listened to a training ground guru podcast with you know, the Arsenal set piece coach um, who'd been there. And it's something you absolutely should have. Um, I guess it come, kind of comes down to your individual manager, like how integrated they they want that. And it's it's not even I think a full time thing. You know, you can be a consultant basis. You know, it's the kind of famous goal at like the the throwing coach. And, you know, the, I think Liverpool uh, kind of the, the Danish Grunenberg. Uh, it worked quite well for a while. But in terms of, he always worked for them as uh, on a consultant basis. And it's not, you know, I think it's a pieces as well. It's just, I don't know, it's maybe Scammon Strachan. You know, he seems to want to be the laptop, sure. laptop and have that. But yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, I can't sit and say it's it's you know it's undervalued just Celtic because I don't know how much work they do, but it's it's absolutely have to be should be a moment. You should be training a lot on it because, as I said, it is something you can prep for in, in, in such a different way than than anything else. So, give me give me give me a corner one, give me a free kick one, give me a throw in one, give me a goal kick one. I'll have five or six of them. Prepared, all all the coaches. Yeah. Do you think? What do you make of the idea of uh, clubs bidding? Hundreds of thousands of euros or pounds for coaches at other teams. Do you think that's a trend that's going to be happening in football, or do you think it's just a kind of one off? No, I think it's all that hasn't happened before because yeah. it's it should play a large part. And I think things like a throwing set piece coach and analysts, data scientists, and so on. I think with teams becoming maybe less reliant on the managers making all the decisions. Those kind of roles, it's have a longer shelf life as well. You think, you know, because they will stay as a, a part of a, a permanent backroom support staff, and the, the managers, I guess, the part of the process of hiring a manager will be, you know, f- the criteria that that they work within that, and and they have that. So, 
I think it's weird it hasn't instead of, you know, throwing three, four more million pounds on a backup left back or something like that. We do not use that to go pick out, you know, the brightest brains. Uh, that sounds bad, but I, I think that's what you need to do. I think it's weird it hasn't been more of it before. Yeah, well, hopefully Bayern get them and then... Yes, hopefully. Lucky Bayern Munich, I think we're all really supporting that underdog story against uh, Mighty's Manchester City. Yeah. I'm hopefully going to try and get to that game, but uh, I want to see what the, the first leg score uh, from Manchester is before committing to buying a ticket. That's, yes. that's yeah. At least you may be showing up for the big games if you have a chance of winning. Yeah. So. Big game hunter myself. I, I do have a, a, a brown cheese update for you, by the way. Oh. Uh, How's it holding up? It's good. Um, so it was uh, Kristen's dad's birthday yesterday, um, and he had like friends and family around. And we for the Bradside Car Boston Sunday, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, bless you. Um, and we we went over in the evening to get something to eat, and then the conversation came around to our trip to Norway and uh, the concept of brown cheese. So I was I was told to go back to the house to get the brown nice. cheese, nice. bring it over, and three three new people tried it. And they were all absolutely fell in love with it. This old woman in her sixties took a photograph of it on her phone, so that her daughter could buy her some when she's in Norway in a couple of months. So this is, I think, this is quite the butterfly effect. Yeah, that might solve some major societal and world problems. It's, it's yeah. The brown cheese. So if you haven't tried it yet, I think, um, not low to do some free promotion, but I think it's called the Scandinavian Kitchen. It's um UK based. Um, food online so yeah Scandinavian Scandi Kitchen ScandiKitchen.cu.uk if you're desperate they stock branches so there you go we could maybe um, even have like a, I, a, a podcast eat, eat along where we all eat at the same time and discuss it I, I, I bought some for uh, our Eurovision party last year because I wanted to have a Norwegian food so. that's the, that the most uh, European thing I've ever heard in my life can't, can't wait Melody Grand Prix as it's called in, uh, in Norway so this year, again. So this has been the review. You've probably hated most of it. Um, Alison Johnson's favorite podcast. <laughs> I've heard. So I, I'm sorry. I I, I I try to contain Christian. I can't at all times. So it's, it's probably going to smash me there in the parking lot, Celtic Park next time. Yeah, I, I, I would pay for that. I would pay for that. <laughs> so this has been your review. I've been your host, Graham McKay. Christian, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. I. I Pleasure as well, mate. I'm going to be here next week as well. So hopefully you will as well. And we'll catch you down the road.